Okay. Hey, yo, what's going on, guys? This is your girl, D Brady. Welcome to another episode of Liquid Era, where I'm helping to guide creative millennials within the entertainment industry and all things lifestyle. So today I have a special guest, Romel, who used to be senior manager of labor relations at Title, but Romel told me some exciting news earlier that I want him to share later on during this podcast. So um, first, let's just introduce you, Romel. How are you? What's up? What's up? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about, you know, title and all the future stuff uh, later on. But yeah, just thanks for thanks for uh, having me on. No problem. So Liquid Era, I already told you before, but for any new listeners, Liquid Era, I love to pretty much scope out and find other professionals within the entertainment industry who are like actually doing the work. And I feel like there's not a lot of people who are like mainly like behind the scenes not really in front of the camera or behind the mic that get their due flowers I would say so I love getting the scope the scoop instead of going straight for people who are like in the whole you know mess yeah like (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure and I appreciate that like yeah a lot of people don't um you know not just myself you know i'm not a credit chasing person by any means but a lot of people are pulling a lot of strings behind the scenes to make things happen and just feel like completely unknown and uh it's just funny in this social media age where you know everything is very much like up front that is all these executives and people that are like really important that nobody knows of right. that are also on these platforms but you know it's a lot of people that are also like in front of the camera that are, you know we, we we get into it yeah <laughs> so um before we get into the interview i usually do a icebreaker a throwback icebreaker with guests and i ask trivia questions probably like three okay word so the first question is on an episode of the show martin martin went on his radio show and told his friends secrets to make up for it he had to tell his own what was his secret Oh, damn. I remember that episode, <laughs> but I don't remember what the secret was. Isn't it that he pees the bed? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you a hint, though. It has something to do with Shanae. Oh, wasn't it like something where like he had a dream about her or they kissed at one point or something, something like that? Uh-uh. He tried to sleep with her, but she wouldn't answer the door. <laughs> okay, so I was kind of, I was kind of close. Yes, I was a little close. I was, I was knocking on the door. No pun intended. So number two, um, in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, what was Carlton's all-time favorite song? Oh, uh, the Tom, the Tom, not Tom Green, the the um, you know, it's not unusual. Yes. The dun, dun, but it's like. Tom something. It's Tom Jones. Yeah, you're right. Tom Tom Jones. All right. I was yeah. being way too black by saying Tom <laughs> Okay. And the last question is, which was 50 Cent's first number one hit? A, Many Men, B, In the Club, or C, 21 Questions? It's In the Club, but right, I'm, first of all, I'm right because I said that really confidently. Yes. Am I right? Yes, okay. you're right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm definitely, uh, it's a problematic to say in 2020, but as a person from Queens, uh, big 50 cent stand for those first two albums mm-hmm. that's like probably the only rapper that my dad loves like <laughs> my dad is jamaican so he don't really like listen to rap music like that but he'd be like i love 50 cent yeah no 50 50 is a, 50 is an asshole in every way sense of the word and <laughs> like i said it's a little problematic to be a 50 cent fan historically in 2020 but i could rap you get rich or die trying by heart so <laughs> Yeah, you can't deny that though. That's facts. Yeah. <laughs> so now we can get into the interview. So one thing that I gotta confess to you. So I used to be a Tumblr stan and I was on Tumblr <laughs> heavy. Okay. And okay. I used to follow you, but it was like later on during the time. I think my friends followed you before me. But I used to follow you, but you had, like, you were already talking about music and your taste in music um, before. Uh But then, yeah. So let's get into pretty much your story on how you started and got interested into the music industry. Word. First off, 
what year was that? Because it gives me a good it gives me a good frame of reference of what I was talking about. I don't even remember what year it was, but I know that I was in high school, so <laughs> right. I don't even remember exactly what year. But Tumblr was popping around this time. And right. This before, like, where was I? I was on Facebook. So this is before like Twitter was even popping too. So got you, got you. All right, yeah, I have a good a good frame of reference because I've had have had that uh, blog, so to speak, for a decade now, which is crazy to think about. But um, yes, to answer your question, I I started technically when I was like 16 and wasn't getting paid until I was in my 20s. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started when I was 16. What had happened was I originally actually wanted to do sports. Mm. And, you know, like I was I'm a big sports fan. Um, basketball was really in the football at one point in time, especially when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, got into baseball too. Like I was like, I'm gonna be a sports journalist. I was definitely inspired by um, a lot of just the dudes like the Stuart Scotts and you know the um, now I'm forgetting his name, but you know like Michael Wilbon mm-hmm. and uh, a whole bunch of them. And um, seeing them on like ESPN as a kid, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever because it was like the <laughs> only medium that wasn't like hip-hop that actually like showcased black people um yeah. not just on like a sport like playing the actual sports but ESPN I definitely credit ESPN for actually like employing black people to be on tv mm-hmm. um so I wanted to do that and so a lot of my first writing credits are actual sports columns and stuff okay so my first like published article I still have it laminated um is an article for ISA middle school basketball in 2011 or 12 it was 2011 and it was for slam magazine which is at one point in time the premier like basketball magazine to have um not so much in the 2000s but it's still like a huge authority on like basketball culture so to speak Mm -hmm. so that came about my mom and my stepdad met a guy at the airport and like it took up a conversation on a layover flight and it was just like, my son wants to write. And it just like kind of spitballed into that. So that gave me like some writing credits and then obviously the Tumblr stuff more so like, cause I had, as you kind of touched on like some notoriety on there. And mm-hmm. so I had a nice, I had a nice like cast of friends that were just doing stuff. Cause a lot of my friends were older by like a year two, three years, but like older. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I love music. I was making playlists and doing all this other stuff and just always sharing music similar to now. And I had a friend named Sasha at the time who worked for this magazine called Artsy. They had just put it together. They maybe had like two magazines out and mm-hmm. um, like physical print magazines. And I just wanted to be down. I thought it was like a great, great outlet to express myself musically. I already had, you know, some of these sports you know, write up. So I, I had some frame of work to like promote myself with as a writer. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember she put me in contact with Pedro and Guardo, one of which is actually still with Artsy, I think it's short, not Guardo, Gerardo. And um, we met at a Starbucks. I, I lived in Queens and I hopped on the J train and met them at a Starbucks all the way, I believe in Brooklyn. Oh, um, wow at like seven o'clock at night and my and this is like winter time seven o'clock at night damn there so it's like you know it's dark and um you know my mom looking at this as a job interview see I don't know much about interviewing at the time Mm -hmm. so I kind of pulled up you know in shoes and stuff like that and like a cardigan and I didn't wear a tie but you know it was like very like professional considering you're meeting people out of Starbucks and of course like they're young guys especially at that time like maybe like 22 23 years old so they're looking at me it's like yo why is this guy in a like wearing shoes like I looked <laughs> bad corny anyway um you know I gave him some writing samples and my like high school resume I was like in the literary club and stuff like that and then I became a writer for them and because the magazine was so damn new uh I just got to like do way too much way too soon in a good way Mm -hmm. so like I was interviewing a lot of upcoming artists I remember like two weeks in they had a party and uh Gashi performed and that was like because they so RT has a lot of ties with Kid Super so 
a lot of the a lot of artists kind of went through there like me in tokyo for example i interviewed him like super early like mm. uber everywhere early type of stuff and um i think a couple of the asap mob people and mm-hmm. um i definitely have <laughs> for those listening i definitely have a very embarrassing interview with vince stables uh <laughs> for anyone who knows vince stables like he puts people through the ringer all the time and yes it was like the time like summertime 06 came out mm-hmm. and yeah, as you can watch it and see, I was not prepared for like <laughs> the stuff that he, he pulled out of his own ass. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, so I was like 16, 17, and then that just kind of uh, moved up. I became kind of sort of like the music director, so to speak. And it was cool to just have my name in bylines and have my name, um, you know, in a print magazine. You know, RT is still here, and it's still like indie as hell. And, you know, it, it never... And I don't think that ever the mission was for it to become like a complex, you know, so, but it definitely was something great to be part of and to be speaking to a lot of artists early across genre and reviewing music across genre um, definitely like made me think about music in a different lens Mm -hmm. and had me super prepared for when I went to college because you know, I started doing college radio and, you know, I did like the magazine, not magazine, the newspaper for a bit, but college radio is definitely where I started making, I guess, my f- second tier of like moves. There's a lot of stuff in between there I was doing that is completely irrelevant to <laughs> my musical journey, um, but definitely, definitely shaped me as more of a professional, so to speak. Okay. And, um, but yeah, in terms of music, I was doing college radio and uh, I did college radio for all four years. And I worked my way up to being the music director for two and the promotions director for one because I went and studied abroad. So Me too. I, oh, where? Uh, I went to FAMU. That's in oh, Tallahassee, okay. like yeah. T-Pain's town. <laughs> yeah, I have a cousin that went there. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh, cool. I got family in Florida. Okay. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I went to study abroad. So I was doing promotions um, kind of because you could sort of do that remote. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I did that all four years. And in between, I did uh, internships at BT, Atlantic Records, and um, and then iHeartRadio, so, so Power 105 mm-hmm. here in New York City. And um, then that just kind of naturally progressed into to Tidal. And uh, Angie Martinez is definitely like part of the reason I even got that job at Tidal. She came up to me on my last day. We could kind of go through everything individually if you want to, but... Um, yeah, Angie came up to me on my last, one of my last days and she's like, what do you know about podcasts? And I'm just like, a lot. Now, <laughs> I, I listened to podcasts and I had produced, um, a podcast for, uh, the, well, the current SVP of marketing at Atlantic, which is wild to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was producing it abroad, no less. <laughs> And um, so I had some production history, obviously radio station, like I'm producing my own show and other people's shows all the time. Right. And um, she brought me an interview with Tony Trevino, who has his own like beautiful history in itself, working at Billboard and um, the New York Times and stuff. And he, you know, is one of the, the executives of the title. And he, he hired me like on the spot, basically. Mm. And then that, that just like be, they set the tone professionally who I ended up becoming and I got on like after a year and change I got a role in the same in a title and um working more focused on playlisting and then that turned into the senior manager role and you know that speeds balls into where I'm going next which we get to talk about later so that's the short synopsis version of my musical journey um <laughs> uh, you know we could just go in and out ebbs and flows as you please from here yeah I think that's amazing. I always, well, I think I told in my IG live with Janae Brown, um, she used to be in New York as well, but I always felt like New York was like, once you hit the ground running and you start with something, I feel like you just connect to so many different avenues on where you can go in your career, especially like the industry. If you like really like talking and just being in the right room you will get places more so than i feel like in florida or something i always i don't know i always felt like new york was just it (laughs) yeah no i I will say like that not to knock on like any state but that's the unfortunate part 
you know, and we could talk about that later too. Like the fortunate part is that, yeah, you're just, if you want to be in this business, you're stuck in New York or mm-hmm. in London or in LA. Uh, you really can't go anywhere else. And um, so it is difficult in that, in that aspect because like, you're, you're right. Like if you come to New York and you hit the ground running, like you could really make a lot out of a little. And mm-hmm. fortunately I was born and raised here. So a lot of my friends are born and raised here and had connections here. Um, you know, from people that they knew that were older, which is how I got an artsy, right? It's like simply a person that worked there that I was cool with. Right. Um, you know, like that's something that particularly doesn't get to happen in a lot of other states. Um, at least not in a way that can have this like long lasting impact. So I feel it, it sucks is that way. And I feel it's changing a little bit with just not a little bit, like a lot because the internet mm-hmm. has kind of really made the world a whole lot smaller but it's still it's something about the locality of um you know information and when we could go outside like parties and, and concerts and stuff like that that is exactly. very much a a unique un, uh new york experience that makes it a little easier i feel exactly so you mentioned something when you first started artsy you were doing a little bit of everything right so i want to get into that because i feel like when you get into the entertainment industry, well, at least from like from my experience too, when I first got into um, Slip and Slide, I was doing everything as an intern. But I yeah. felt like, okay, like this is what you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to, you're supposed to do everything. Yeah. So, um, but when when is it? When is it a time where you feel like, okay, I'm, I've been doing everything for a while and <laughs> you start knowing like when to move on? I can tell you the exact moment. <laughs> um, it, was, it was my first year title. So I'd been there for about eight months. And this is kind of a consistent theme in my life, kind of professionally speaking. Um, and I was there for about eight months and I was the content coordinator. But with that, like, I was doing a, it was a small, super small company at the time I started, maybe, like, in the United States, like, not, we had offices in Oslo and in New York, mm-hmm. and in, like, New York, at the time, it was maybe, like, 30 people who worked that title, um, and so I was going with Elliot Wilson to help produce Rap Radar, like, mm-hmm. going, leaving the middle of the day to go help produce that and do all the things that producing your show means. Um, then coming back and speaking with, you know, the editors about playlisting stuff and also being in charge of moving designs along, you know, editorially speaking. And then also then speaking to the video team for Rap Radar about edits on that, then cutting the clips, then sending that to content, then <laughs> then like it goes to content, does what they do and ingest into the system and then I'm the one responsible for, as we call it, bannering, but simply just imagine, like, you know, just placing it on on the homepage and every other spot that, like, we have to put it. So, like, I'm doing everything from A to Z. It's crazy, right? I am, for the first couple months, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. But after, like, a year, you're just like, how many times are people going to tell me I'm valuable until, like, I get more money and also, like, get something that's a little bit more streamlined? Right. You know? And I, I won't forget, like, they they <laughs> they thought I was going to quit. Uh, someone at the job who, it was, like, this operation, so I was going to quit. She took me out to breakfast and was just trying to see if, like, I was fine. And I was, like, the truth is, like, <laughs> no, I'm pissed. Like, you know, like, this is, this is um, a lot of work. Like, I'm staying with Elliot to the studio until 730, but also, like, you know, you guys want me to go produce this thing because I'm the only one or one of a few people that have the connections to people at studios and engineers and stuff. So it's like, you got me doing all this, but yet you still want me to like, like, where's the growth? Like, where's the path? Like, where are you guys trying to mold me towards? You know, and that was kind of getting really, really, really annoying. Um, And so I literally sent an email to Tony and the operations person and, uh, we, I called a meeting, and I literally, the tone of the meeting was like, figure this out or I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, like, looking back, you know how ballsy that move was? Like, That's they what I'm thinking like, right no. now. Like, damn. 
<laughs> they could have just been like, no, but I just have this whole thing. Like after I work to, a, I work hard every day. Like, right. But I'm very much like aware of my worth. Mm-hmm. to to an extent like obviously like you move forward in your career and it's like damn i'm worth this much like you kind of learn more as you get older um but i knew i was like yo i am this is way too much and needless to say like they were like yo here's three options you can choose from they listened to me actually and i chose the playlist manager role and um that's how i fully got immersed into like playlisting and curation on a professional scale i was like dabbling in it a little bit Mm -hmm. um in the company but that's how I fully got immersed into that but yeah that's when I was like yo I'm done I'm tired of doing everything like this is not this is not like being a jack of all trades does not make you like a great professional it Um, and I feel like it's like very that's how you are quick to burn out exactly that's great exactly because I was I was just like yo this is if this is what it's gonna be like I'm I'm leaving. I'll go back to school before I like do this shit. <laughs> you know, like I hated school. Um, you know, so yeah, it's like I was doing way too much, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, but obviously, it worked out. That's good. That's really good. Did you before you got to title? Obviously, you worked for um, you were interning for Angie Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. How, what are some things that you learned there that you were able to take to title? Um, I'm, say, I'm not going to say just take the title, take through life is, you know, admit when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> admit when you're wrong. Like Angie's whole thing is that like, you're going to make mistakes, but if you make an excuse for the mistake, then just to shut up. Just like, that was kind of our whole thing. It's like, if we, sometimes you know the people who are running the boards producing the show like they have to use the bathroom or like stuff happens maybe they're sick and we as interns used to like sometimes man the boards mm-hmm. or like a lot of my responsibility was like cutting clips so the clips you heard during um some of the interviews like were edited by me you know some of the a lot of the commercials were edited by me and people that were interning with me at the time and you know obviously with approval but sometimes shit just goes wrong and it's like if it goes wrong this is admit it's wrong admit you messed up and she wouldn't be mad if you just admitted you messed up you just had to own up to it and she i remember her telling me that this thing that she respected about me is that i got very early on that like a, a level of accountability and ownership that was my responsibility i did it wrong i apologize and if it happens again it's not going to happen the same way mm-hmm. you know like i'm going to learn from whatever mistake happened and she'll be willing to teach you if you did that um so that was definitely number one. Number two was also just like, no one is going to hand out information to you. Like not really, at least mm-hmm. um, you have to like ask and seek out that information. So I used to just ask her is like, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? Can you teach me how to do that. Like I remember she was frustrated one day. Um, it was maybe like month two. And it was because the lack of initiative that people were taking, not particularly with me, even though a little bit with me, I will admit, um, with the lack of initiative that people were taking and wanting to learn more, you know, end of the day, like Angie is a hall of famer, right? You know, like we will, many people get to say they get to work with, you know, especially in New York, like Angie Martinez. And it's like, yo, you're not going to sit here and soak up all the game you could get. Like, so I made it, I like made it my like mission, like once a week, I think we had like, damn, near like basically set days where she would just teach me a new thing. Mm-hmm. um or put or if she couldn't do it like someone else i would go sit with eddie who did um who like produces the breakfast club or part produces the breakfast club but produces like all the commercials and all of like the voiceovers and things and he taught me how to do all that like i know how to edit an entire like even i was doing college radio and like was doing editing for various different things like i know how to edit an entire radio show from start to finish because of eddie and angie like Cause I thought I was like, shit, I'll go on the radio. Like I'm here, you know, I might as well do that, you know? So it, it mattered to me to learn all these different things. And that carried on into like knowing how to edit professionally for title for other people, you know, freelance stuff. But the main thing was, just you got to go in and you got to like ask questions and you got to have accountability and like actually give a shit or no one's going to care that you're there. And it's just a waste of, it's not the last thing I'll say about Angie in that time there was that it's not a waste of 
her time is a waste of your time. It is, yeah. And so, like, yeah, when you're in a situation, whether an intern or professionally, whatever, like, if you don't go in there and try to make the most of that, then you just wasted your time. Angie and whoever, the VP you're under, whoever you're under, they're going to make their salary whether you're there or not. And like, I think that also showed for them, for you to be like acting and actually genuinely interested, that shows what you're passionate about. And if you really want to be there, I think. Um, just because I think if you really like what you're doing, you're going to, you're like, you're always researching somehow, some way. And you just want to know genuinely. But if you're just chilling and you just not really asking nothing, um, I think it's just like, you just happy to be there at that. Like. Exactly. Like you're there, you know, there's a lot of people there that were there for clout. You know, like they would just simply take photos with, you know, rappers that they came in or singers as they came in. And it was like, cool, yeah, you got to take a photo with T.I. You got to take a photo with, you know, like little Uzi or whoever. But, you know, like that's not going to get you a job. That's not going to get you any notoriety. Like no one's going to vouch for you just because you're the person there that just shows up every day. Like if you didn't provide any value, then nobody cares that you're there. You're just mm-hmm. a placeholder. So you're definitely, definitely some stuff I learned from Angie that carried carried on the life like I grew out of my shell being under um Angie you know I was a shy kid and that yeah like I got put in a situation like basically it was like yo we see talent in you you got to own up to that talent though Mm. and like I think that that internship like obviously it was the catalyst for me getting a title which changed my life entirely but it was a catalyst for being able to even handle that shit. So. I feel like, oh my God, I had that same moment. Like, well, first of all, you are blessed to even have someone like Angie Martinez teach you. And everyone in that building just kind of like, you can like soak up gems from. Because when yeah. I tell you at Slip and Slide, like I was just like, I was struggling i was like bro like there was like maybe two other people in that office um that was really working and they were tired like they just were exhausted but i didn't know anything so i just was in there and it was me and another intern and i was there for like the summer and it was towards the end where um the ceo he's just like um it's the end of the summer and uh if y'all don't show anything then y'all gotta be out. I literally took a risk. Like, I didn't wanna go back home. So I'm like, I took a whole risk to come to Miami. Like, are you serious? And I really had to like learn, but I had to learn from watching interviews and scoping out and searching people on the internet. And just from what I know already and knowledge from college, I guess, and use that to like press forward and do something different. And that's when it was like okay you can stay but dang <laughs> yeah no it's you, you did the right thing though like you put yourself out there you feel like no matter when it, when you had to do it like you counted and obviously it, it went the long way yeah that is hard but it's it's worth it because I mean now like look where you're at now like if you're out of your shell you got to do more things and really I think make make like pretty much push your limit you probably didn't know how valuable you were, how good you can be if you didn't do that. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, it wasn't just Angie though. Like I, cause I did so many internships. Like there's a lot of great people that definitely like taught me some lessons. And to that point, like I, I wish her happy birthday every year solely cause she's, she's just a cool person, but also she, so it's this woman, girl named, not girl, woman at um, Atlantic um, named Yaz mm-hmm. who does marketing. And um, on my, like, last week, she found out that, like, so Marsha, as I mentioned, so she's an SVP. I was interning under her. Mm-hmm. It was a weird scenario of how that ended up happening. Like, I was supposed to be interning under Sherry Bryant, and then it was, like, an assistant that I was supposed to be under, but then Sherry left, so the assistant left with her, and I didn't have an assistant to, like, be under, so I ended up working, like, us as interns ended up working under, like, all the main people. It was, like, insane, <laughs> um, which it was a blessing in disguise, because, like, we got to do some real work, right? and um, for, for free, but real work, and um, I, Marsha was talking about producing a podcast, and she was working with the It's the Real Guys, mm. and um, 
she was just looking for someone to produce, but if she wasn't walking around the office and I remember talking to Yaz and I was like, yeah, now like I know how to produce some podcasts and stuff, but you know, it's like whatever. And she was like, if you don't go walk in her office and go tell her you could produce her podcast. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like she's not going to want to hear that from me. And Yaz put a meeting on her calendar for it was like Ramel Marsha talk Ramel Marsha podcast talk or something like that and like made me go in her room and Marsha emailed me before that was like I heard you could produce <laughs> so like we're definitely meeting and she wasn't she obviously wasn't trying to pay anybody for it so like this also worked out right for her and so I went in there and I was just like yeah I can produce your podcast like I can and like I built her website I was like, yeah, I could build your website and, like, your blog and, like, your newsletter and, like, all these other things. Like, if you need me to do it, shit, I'll do it because I'm just, like, this is work under the SVP of, like, marketing <laughs> at the end right. of the day. And it was at the end of the internship, too. So it was, like, a lesson I learned where it was, like, if you have a talent, if you actually have a talent, like, you can't be afraid. Like, Yaz forced me into that room to talk to her. And... I'm forever thankful she did because me and Marsha were cool. And that almost turned into an opportunity. I got offered a job before I even graduated, but I was abroad, so I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, it was in digital marketing. And, um, but nonetheless, like that offer still stood, you know, the offer was still offered to me at one point in time. Right. And um, it has a lot to do with the fact that Yaz was just like, you have a talent, but not one that's necessarily like in this case, like not one that's applicable to the overall marketing job at Atlantic. But, like, I have a talent that's useful to the marketing person that led into a job offer in marketing. Um, so, like, yeah, I learned a valuable lesson there, too. And it was funny because like, I came back. I went abroad, was producing all of Marsh's stuff, or digital, I mean, virtually, came back and went to Power 105 and then learned <laughs> everything I just mentioned. So, yeah. That's dope. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And since you are, like, saying i was literally just about to go into this next question but recall a challenging moment that you overcame um shit so so many um, <laughs> um you know what here's here's a good example i'm not gonna really say challenging but it, yeah it was, it was challenging it was emotionally challenging um so i could say this now because i'm not at the company mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah about a year ago i i had essentially had two offers on the table mm -hmm. um i almost took i almost took an offer at sony okay under someone that i like idolized mm -hmm. and like when i was at power he used to come in on radio days, um, which were Wednesdays, and they would come and they would speak to all the marketing directors, not marketing, music directors, and try to like pitch music for, for radio. Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. And um, he ended up moving over to the streaming side because everyone did. And, um, you know, we had reconnected because I had gotten that playlist manager role like the year prior, and I had put, put a lot of work in and stuff like that. And something had popped up at Sony that essentially like I thought I would be really good for, you know, like, you always kind of test the market once a year just mm -hmm. to see where you are, where you are, um, you know, like what your perceived value is in the industry. Right. And lo and behold, fucking links said like, oh, you'd be great for this. And so I went through a bunch of rigorous, you know, interviews and going back and forth to, to Sony to interview for this thing. And at the same time, my then boss um, had left and you know move cross country so like it was a whole like editorial like reshift um which put me directly then under uh the P tony this is the guy who hired me and i essentially like crafted a whole new role for myself as the actual ended up becoming the senior manager of labor relations role mm. and um i got put in a situation where it's like i didn't have the role officially yet i was like unofficially doing the, the role mm. and I had a choice where I can take this job at Sony or I can gamble on the fact that title will give me this role that I'm fighting for. Mm. And that at 24 years old and, you know, like 
I get to work under the guy I've wanted to work under for a minute, just like I looked up to in the music, you know, music business space. And I was like deciding, I was like, one is one is immediately more money and a better role. And but one is like the slow burn. Like I can wait and see if it comes. It might not, it might not come when I want it, blah, blah, blah. Obviously I ended up choosing to say a title, but that was challenging because like, that's a that's just a very interesting predicament to be put in you know it's a great predicament but to think you have to think depth about where you are musically like in the music business Mm -hmm. to where you want to be who you want to work under see for yourself like i looked at it as i can go work under this person at sony or i can stay and take this elevated role at title which puts me on par with the same people that i would be working under Oh, and at 24, too. Exactly. And for some people, not on par. Like, this person in Sony is, like, a big wig. So I'm not going to say on par. But for a lot of other people, on par. And um, needless to say, it's like, that was a weird gamble to take, you know? And it could have completely went left. It completely went left, and I could have been completely stagnant, and I would have been pissed every single day. Mm-hmm. But it it worked itself out. And then I can also say, especially after the fact like my next thought was like if I take this I can position myself into a better role somewhere else or internally or externally when the time comes you know and that's exactly what happened and that was a challenge though like I had seriously gambled on my like self and my like talents and my connections well you made the right decision (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> you made the right decision, but I like how you were making your decision on not like just for the moment, but planning ahead. If I if that makes sense. Like you could yeah. have been a quick, like, oh, this person I idolize. So, you know, you just jump to it. And obviously, like 24, you're we're young. So it's like, okay, like, you know, whatever. And usually we are like usually millennials are we're very we're stereotyped as we just move on quickly we just bounce around so that's very interesting because i like to debate that a lot like no we don't like we actually think things through exactly (laughs) but we're like go ahead yeah i was like yeah no we definitely think things through like just because like tiktok exists and shit 60 seconds everywhere doesn't mean that people don't sit down and think about their future like always found that to be corny exactly so what are some assumptions about what you well now used to do at title explain your realities um yeah i'm not gonna just make this title specific or like in terms like the workplace um, but I think the main thing as a black dude is like, oh yeah, you you like you like you love hip hop, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I do, but you know, like I loved I love every type of music. Maybe like yes. I'm a hip hop I'm a hip hop stand, but it's it's like it's annoying when you work in a, an environment like I'm not saying this about title, but I'm saying as a person that represented the company outwardly, people mm-hmm. seem to be surprised that I can speak about like the electronic releases mm-hmm. or the rock releases in a way that wasn't fake you know right. like it wasn't like well, I wasn't bullshitting you um about it and um that was like uh, I hated that I hated it so much um in that I didn't want to feel pigeonholed like bubble like it's like in a bubble it's like oh you're black and you work at title so like you must only listen to hip-hop it's like no like let's we're gonna talk here and we could talk about like jazz music like we could really do that you know so that was one thing for sure i absolutely hated and that's still gonna follow me around because it's just like how it is i'm tall and i'm black i work in music i feel like that's like regardless of also like just regardless of the music industry i feel like in general as a human like you said as a a black person it's just like oh we just listen to quote-unquote black music like no when you get in my car and then my my music is on shuffle. It's gonna go from different ranges. You might hear some reggae, then you're gonna hear some dance hall, then you're gonna go to R and B, hip hop, pop, and it might not even be up to date pop. It might be like in the two thousands or whatever, or the nineties yeah. or whatever. And then like just take you on to a whole nother 
whatever world, but it's not specific. It doesn't have to be specific. And it doesn't have to also be a huge thing when you say like, no, I don't just listen to hip hop and R&B. It doesn't have exactly. to be like a a personality trait, I guess. <laughs> exactly. You know, like we're, we're more than, yeah, that, that assumption, yeah. I think it's it's all corny. Like people, especially these days, like everyone listens to music very much. Like as I as I say, like genre agnostic, right? Like I don't know anyone that has like only listens to gets in their car and they only listen to one thing mm-hmm. or one type of that same thing. You know, like people are have it's life's about duality. Life's about like choices and like the fact that people think that like oh you're black and you work in music like you must work in the hip-hop marketing section it's like i don't fuck you <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh what is the worst advice that you received Ooh, that's a great question the worst advice i can say i received hmm. I- i'm trying to think of some of these i won't out the people who told me <laughs> I will say this. The worst advice I ever received wasn't really, it was more so about the idea of patience, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I guess this goes against the millennials always are are impatient. It kind of adds to that, I guess. Um, When I was thinking things through at various stages of my career, a lot of people gave me, tried to give me advice on what to do, which I guess I respect to some degree. And a lot of that kind of boiled into, like, being impatient, like, not actually taking a step back and looking at the world around them and the business around around them. And about, like, oh, you should take this job. Oh, you should do this. And if I did any of the things that those people told me to do, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Mm. And it was something about, it's like, it it was the immediate thing to do. Like, their advice was the immediate thing to do. It was the thing that was the easiest. Like, it was just the door that was straight. Like, mm-hmm. you just walk straight, you would just been able to open that door. But the right door was, like, two blocks, like, a left and a right, <laughs> and through a roundabout. But that was the right door. And for some reason, I was able to just be like, let me just, let me just look to see what's actually the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely some of the worst advice I ever got was about, like, this lack of patience. Um, yeah, and I think some of the other, I guess, first of all, as a behind the scenes person is always just like, oh, you should, you should post this or post that or do this or do that. And I'm just like, that's how you get fired. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I feel like, well, for behind the scenes, I feel like it's so, how I say like, the line is very just blurred for me because nowadays I feel like there are so many people who don't do half of the work that you do, but they are living it up on the Instagram. Like you think they have it all together. Like it's crazy. While you can barely even post because you're freaking tired. So (laughs) exactly. And I probably was in the moment and I couldn't even get a right picture. So it's just like, I don't know, but while I was at the label, it was like, I think we were going like on a road trip or something like that. I don't remember, but we were going on a, on a sprinter and um, my homeboy, he was like, oh, take a picture of me by the sprinter or whatever. So I thought of, I, I took the picture for him, but I was really thinking like, he's about to take a picture by the sprinter and, you know, just continue elevating his brands. And he is doing the work as well. So I'm like, but for me, I was like, I don't know. I feel weird taking a picture about a sprinter. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I just, I didn't take a picture, but I was just like, why you could have taken, taken a picture, Denise, because you do do the work. It's not a, you are going on the sprinter. Like, but I don't know. I just felt mad weird. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 no, I feel that like, I was one of the lessons I learned pretty early is like no matter how much work you put on the people if you put in the right amount of work the people that know know right? right and i think i was saying this on twitter yesterday actually about all the people i've seen kind of front or do too much on the internet or in person and don't know that the people that they're speaking to about like fronting or just 
kind of just doing a lot right. um are speaking to like the vp of editorial at a company or like the director of commerce at epic or something like that like you could be doing a lot to a person that might could like could have helped you and right. like anybody knows that if you're doing behind the scenes work and i'm saying exclusively behind the scenes work the last thing you need to do is be in front of everyone's face everyone will hate you immediately and um yeah i remember learning that really early because i as an intern um i posted a photo of myself and i think it was like the migos or something and it was like my second day at power and <laughs> marcia from atlantic comments on the post was like if you don't take this shit down no <laughs> and then she dm'd me she's like don't i don't want to ever really see a post like this again <laughs> and and what i would and she explained further was like yo you don't need to it's like it's whatever when you're an intern you're a baby but like if you're moving to the professional space you're gonna be behind the scenes like this is what you're gonna do you know like where it's not necessarily about the quote-unquote clout so mm -hmm. to speak at least to the public eye then like this just looks kind of corny mm -hmm. and it looks like clout chasing like your job is not about taking photos of artists you could take the photo with the artists like do it like those are memories that maybe like to be cherished but in terms of like making that a reoccurring thing and posting it all the time and look at me i'm with the migos and look at me i'm with this artist and this rapper and this singer like it starts to seem more like cloud chasing and people are all around us looking at that shit and it's like mm -hmm. nah that person looks like oh we don't want to mess with that person and it, it looks like he he's just in it for the for the cloud he's in it for just to be known he's in it to be with these artists like when i was going through what i was going through to end up where i'm at like one of the things that they said about me that was dope i guess is that like i i don't care to really be seen mm -hmm. not in that sense like i don't i want to be seen as like a future executive i want to be seen in that way and be known for my work but i don't want the work to get conflated by here's photos with like insert artists here that's not my job right you know, like, I want to be seen for my work, not the shit that surrounds my work. Exactly. That's where I was like, oh, I was so confused. I'm like, okay, not confused, but it just, for me inside, I was like, I don't know if I want to, you know, do that yeah. <laughs> too much. But um, anytime that I could get a picture or like just by myself, really, or like behind the scenes video of like, um, me working on a video shoot set or whatever like that then it'll be fine and it mostly yeah. went in my stories but <laughs> just I didn't have time and sometimes I was like dang I wish I did take pictures because now I have to like build my portfolio and do all this stuff that I didn't have time to do yeah but yeah I feel that I, that's one thing I regret too like as a result of not wanting to be that person that like was posting shit everywhere I right. didn't take photos of anything and not that like I was now what what would I do with that like I'm not gonna post it but like you said for like portfolio stuff for memory's sake like mm -hmm. I wish I had a lot of the stuff that I that I experienced but I didn't because I was like I don't want to be seen uh, like I wish I actually saved or at least went out of my way to like take memories you know or record memories rather so I, I feel that 100% exactly and now like I can't even I would have to probably go in like my old planners to like go back and look at all the things that I did just to like try to put it together because it's so many things. But yeah. so for the last question and it'll pretty much reveal where you are now, <laughs> but <laughs> um, so I know that the industry can be tough to navigate um, yeah. you've been in it since you were 16. Um, what are some other things that you see for yourself in the future? Um, just moving on up in, in the ranks and, and being more part of the, the, the shit we see in the world, you know, like, uh, like just being more part of the rollouts, being more part of like, when you see that billboard, just know that like I had something to do with that. Like I was behind that. And, mm -hmm. You know, obviously with a team, 
you know, part of a team, you know, so you never do shit by yourself, but exactly. just to know that, like, I'm part of something like that, like, that's where I see, like, the music industry is changing all the damn time, so mm-hmm. who's the call, like, who's going to call streaming the way they you could now 15 years ago? Who's going to say what's coming in 15 years or within the next 15 years, but all I know is that I want to move up the ranks in music and just continue to be, or, or continue to try to be a good person and do good work and do right by the people around me and bring people on I learned very early, especially from Atlantic, pay it forward all the damn time. Yes. Um, you know, like put people on where you can that are going to do the right work and stand by you and your name. Like that's a big thing. A lot of people put people on that end up dogging the relationship and ruining the tarnishing the name. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You really have to be careful. You really do. But with that being said, it's like, put people on where you can. They're going to stand by you, do right by you, do right by themselves more than anything. Um, and I just, yeah, just want to move up the ranks. And whatever comes, comes, like, I'm not, I'm not super pressed about the clout and stuff like that. I just want to do good work and make a shit ton of money in the process. And then take that and, I don't know, go buy homes and do real estate and flip out <laughs> or something like you know like just use the money to make more money type of situation and then i could just go retired and go live in the south of france somewhere that i legit told my sister the other day i was like many people in the music industry they usually like they start in the music industry and they go into real estate <laughs> it's it it money so common shit. yes but different i mean i guess different things but yeah yeah what where are you now romel <laughs> oh yeah so um yeah I, i'm i'm at republic now so that's cool awesome. um yeah I'm, I'm on the stream team there uh yeah you, you for those that are listening and see me on linkedin i'm the one of <laughs> one of the associate directors on that team now and um yeah, so that's literally what I'm doing. I'm going to be part of those rollouts for for all the artists on that roster from top down. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into, like, the organizational chart and shit, but, mm-hmm. like, I, I definitely will be part of a lot of those rollouts um, and, and working those records and, and being part of, as I mentioned, like, being part of that experience. So once a record goes number one, you know, like, you can know confidently that I – had some hand in it maybe a big hand maybe a little hand but (laughs) a hand you know like it it depends obviously um but yeah that's where I'm at so it's it's a lot of people did talking about advice right a lot of people are just like why would you go from the streaming side to the label side and it's just like because I fucking want to (laughs) (laughs) that's that it's like I believe in my skills and yeah like when you're streaming like you are the client Right. Mm-hmm. People have to get down on their virtual knees and say, please, sir, will you listen to my music? And that's cool. I don't think for me that was really rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I just, to me, it just wasn't rewarding. It's like it was a lot of work. You're going to be wrong. Um, and it was great work. I think we all did great work at Title, and they continue to do great work or will continue to do great work. But it wasn't rewarding for me. Like I wanted to be in the meetings. Like I wanted the feeling that I had when I was in Atlantic where I was there when a boogie got signed and there when Gucci man came home and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And seeing those records, like become number one records and seeing artists become who they became. And like there with like little Uzi was just like brand new. It's like 2016. And um, like in seeing the success that I see my friends in the industry have and seeing how through the hard work, how thrilled they are when Punk goes number one, or you know, 21 Savage goes number one, or you know, Ava Max has a number one album, you know, stuff like that. Like, those feelings are something that I think I was, I'm not gonna say jealous of, but craved. Mm-hmm. You know, like, these are low key people, like, no one knows who the hell these people are on the street. You know, you know, these people are known decent enough in the industry, but like, they, they, the, they just like have joy in the fact that they get to work a record and that's the thing and i i think i wanted that i think it was more fulfilling and maybe one day it won't be and then i may want to go back into the the streaming world you know not streaming world but on the the dsp client side right but um i think for me where i'm at now and where i'm at in my career i'm only 25 like i just want to do the best work possible 
in the most fulfilling work possible before life becomes life. I have no kids. Like <laughs> I don't have any I don't have any real Let me make this straight. Let me make this clear right now. I have no kids. Like, no kids. <laughs> like I, I have some college loan debt. That's kind of just it. Like I have my only I could focus on shit is what I'm getting getting at. Exactly. And like why not do the most challenging thing and the most rewarding thing while I have the space to do it? Because one day I'm not going to have the space to do a lot of shit anymore. And I'm, I don't want to look back and go, wow, I wish I did more things that I felt rewarding to me mm-hmm. when I could. Um, and so, like, it all kind of came to a head and someday the opportunity popped itself up. And, you know, I, I, the opportunity came up and it just made sense. And, you know, you go through all the the minutia of moving over from one side to the other and like is it going to be enough this and enough that and everything matched up and it just made sense now it was that title for three and a half years so like it wasn't any bad blood or anything like negative about right, it like right. it was like very amicable just like i'll miss all of you but i have to go mm-hmm. type of thing and i just respect and commend everyone at title that did it like weren't assholes about it <laughs> like I, I a lot of people do end up in that situation where like you know their former co-workers were assholes about them leaving for some reason or another and mm-hmm. the great people at title like literally didn't do that they were just like fly go fly um yeah so that's that's where i'm at now yes that's very inspiring you just inspired me <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> 25 we ain't got no kids okay period <laughs> exactly exactly that's this is definitely the time to just take risk and y'all see how 2020 is going already i don't feel like anything after 2020 is going to be normal again so i feel like now is the perfect time to just take risk and bet on yourself exactly might as well Mm -hmm. like you might as well just bet on yourself like no one else is gonna really bet for you so like bet on yourself really if you think you have the talents, you think that you could be a, a goat or whatever you aspire to be, like, why not do it now? Most of us are home, like, with a lot more time on our hands than we've ever had before, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But whatever reason you're home for, like, I don't know, make the most of it. And if you fail, then you fail. But at least you tried. Exactly. That's the way I look at it. And I wouldn't even, like, I'm trying, well, I'm learning now. I wouldn't even look at it as, a, as like, a failure. Like, I'm starting to pretty much like erase failure from my vocabulary because that's what I was afraid of, like afraid to fail. Like I've always put in 110% in everything or I always have a plan B or C or whatever because I was afraid of failure, but really and truly it's just like a lesson learned. Yeah. So. Exactly that, exactly that. But thank you so much, Ramel, for doing this interview with me. Like I said, you guys, I always, like, search and find people who, like, is tweeting, like, regular people, like, regular, every, well, we are regular people, but every day, you know, and then, but you don't really know what they do behind the scenes. You just be like, oh, you know, yeah, he works, but... But, you know, we need more people like you in the industry who are just focused not only on doing a great job, but also helping others along the way and inspiring just by being you and just being a good person with a good heart. Thank you. Yeah, I think, thank you so much, you know, and thanks for just inviting me on and, you know, just speaking and having such a great conversation. And, you know, I hope whoever's listening to this just gets some shit out of it. I, I hope that they do. I feel like they would um and just keep keep this platform alive and keep you know speaking to people and just putting the good word out there you know like just thank you again for having me on thank you um where do you want people to find you (laughs) oh yeah that's like oh that's a thing um yeah i'm on twitter um twitter is young old man uh exclamation not exclamation young old man with an underscore after at the end that was a nickname someone gave me in college after I kept talking about the Beatles or some shit. <laughs> and um, shout out to Nyla. She gave me that nickname. And um, my Instagram is Romel, R-O-M-E-L, period, MP3. Um, so it's literally my name, like, as a music file. Uh, yeah, that's that. You can find me on LinkedIn, too. Just search Romel. It's not many of us. And, um, yeah, that's where you can find me at. 
All right. So you guys can also send your questions to liquidera at liquidera6 at gmail.com. Um, and you guys know you can follow Liquid Era on IG at liquid underscore era. And you can also follow me, your personal host, D Brady, on IG at underscore D Brady. That's D-E-E-B-R-A-D-Y, like the football player. Um, so yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in and we're out. Yeah, they got it bumping.